listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. He's your host, award-winning coach, and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, lovely Dynamic Women, and welcome to the Dynamic Women podcast, where I am Diane Ralston, your host, and I have the pleasure of interviewing today, Jennifer Manili. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, it's good <laughs> to have you here. Um, you know, what, what we're talking about today is around how to set and defend your boundaries. This is, this is crucial for everyone in their relationships, um, but we're going to take kind of a more laser focus on how to cope with a loved one's substance abuse. And if you're like, oh, I don't have anyone with my life that's like this, listen, you need to listen because you're going to come across someone, a family um, member who's dealing with this, you know, like some, a colleague, um, a neighbor, you might find someone who needs to hear this information and you get to be the one to relay this to them. And I hope for you, you never have to use this information, but Jennifer is such an expert at what she does and she's been there firsthand. So let me share a little bit more. Jennifer Manili is the founder of Manili Consulting Inc., a coaching firm with families who have loved ones in addiction or trauma-related substance abuse. She works with the families to help them develop strategies and coach them on setting effective, supportive, and loving boundaries so that their loved ones can get the help they need and the families don't go down with them. Her work is inspired by her own journey through addiction. So this is, this is crucial that we hear from you, Jennifer, you know, especially I love learning from experts, trained people who also have expertise in what they're doing. And, and you've got that. Um, and just another little bit about what we're going to cover today is that you know a lot of people have loved ones dealing with substance abuse and even the strongest most confident people can be torn down into insecure self-doubting people uh so i want to make sure that our listeners today can know how to remain the person that you want to be and not give yourself away even when a loved one is suffering so start us off Jennifer, with how did you get into this line of work? I alluded to it a little bit, but, <laughs> but you have a you have a powerful story, so share with us. Well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of sum it up briefly. Of course, this was very much a lifelong journey in the making, <laughs> and so it it just seems like this. Like I am thirty eight years old, and it's like I was set up thirty eight years ago ago to do this. But really, where it started was it was my own journey through addiction. And it, it really kind of happened like my mom, I, I cannot say enough great things about my mom through this mm. because she's a totally different person in the best way today because of my addiction and the learning that she had to go through in order to really know how to deal with me and what she had to do for herself. And there were many moments that I know she was not sure whether she was doing the right thing, the wrong thing, if she was setting me up to 
um, to walk away and have me die the next day or anything like that. And so it was really scary for her. And we ended up getting through it and healing a lot of things. And we were able to form a very trusting relationship now today. Uh, I was able to be the person that I am today, largely due to her being willing to set those boundaries. And it was the best thing for me. And then I kind of got into it because I kept running into these family members that were continuing to go through this. And these were corporate leaders. Um, my mom was is a corporate leadership coach so she deals with a lot of executives and she would run into this and she would send a lot of people my way she goes i i feel like the best person you should talk to about your kid is my daughter and, <laughs> and so i you were kind of trained to do what you're doing this was a little this was kind of before i was trained of doing what i was doing but this is the reason why i started training myself to do what I do was because I really felt like they needed more support than what was out there. And there was just several reasons why people um, don't, can't do certain things like the group therapies. You know, it's, it's really hard for executives to go into those group meetings for various reasons. Some just absolutely can't. And uh, the therapy models sometimes don't always support what they really need. And that's okay. Like it's not really designed for this specific need. And so I kept having those challenges and I really wanted them to get what they needed. And so I was like, you know what? Nothing's out there. I'm going to make it. Darn it. <laughs> because they needed it. They needed it. And I knew that they could make a difference in their kid's life. And most importantly, I felt like I knew that I could help them make a difference in their own lives because it just tore me up watching them completely lose everything yeah. because of their kid. And I mean, they lost their self-esteem. They would lose their jobs. They would lose their houses. They were losing their cars. Like it, it, it was just amazing to watch and in all of it because they love their kids there's nothing parents won't do for their kids yeah and and that's that's how it should be but at the same time you know we have to make sure that we are actually doing the the most effective things for them too and sometimes what we think is you know love and caring is is really actually not serving them because addiction can be very counterintuitive to what you think that you know about parenting. It's a very counterintuitive feeling. <laughs> I, I just had this image of, it's kind of like your, your child is holding a stick of dynamite that, that is like lit and you're like, okay, I want to, I want to help you. <laughs> you're cautious and you're fearful and you don't know when it's going to explode. And you have, you would go into that fear place and constantly doubt yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine being in that situation because like you said, you want to protect them, but also mm -hmm. by setting those firm boundaries, you give them the, the safe space to come back to you. Yes. Yes. And boundaries are very, very loving 
And it's also very strategic. And, and the way that like I kind of work is one, I, I never tell anybody what they should do, right? I think that's very personal. And I feel like there are no blanket solutions. And there's a lot of complicated family dynamics to take into account in all of this. And so it's very personal. And so in, in that regards, it's like, I'm, I'm never going to like tell someone what they should do, but we should go in and focus on what you know feels right and take away and remove all the self-doubt and the worry. And it's like, sure, if you're doing things that aren't helpful, I may say, hey, that may not be as helpful because here's what happens when you do that. And I think this is more about developing strategies and tools and being provided resources than really like going into parenting or anything like this, you know, cause at this point they're, they're grown, <laughs> they're adults. Yeah. And so the parenting role is different now and knowing how to deal with addiction is mostly just a set of tools and, and different strategies. Yeah. So you mainly work with the family of the person who has the addiction or yes. suffering from substance abuse. Um, and you mainly work with those who are looking for that kind of unique one-on-one -on -one approach. And yeah. Um, yeah, I can see many reasons why this would be important to them, even just the time commitment, right? You work mm -hmm. on, it can, can find a better schedule for them. Absolutely. So many other things. Um, do you find that the, the parents have shame and guilt, embarrassment, these emotions as well? So this is, that's, you just hit on something that we spend a lot of time working on because, um, you know, there is a lot of shame and guilt, uh, when it, that's driving a lot of decisions and it creates for a lot of reactive fear-based decisions, <laughs> a lot of desperate moves. Mm -hmm. And because they're trying to compensate, they, if they have shame, they feel like they're trying to fix a problem that they think that they created. And here's the thing about addiction. It's not a pro it's not the parents problem to fix, unfortunately, but it is something that they feel like they should be able to fix. And, and I know this because this is what my mom was experiencing for a long time. She had to get help to remove herself from that responsibility because she has spent a lot of time trying to fix problems that she took blame for, for herself. And it didn't serve me at the end of the day because of that. And so we spend a lot of time focused on guilt and shame and making sure that we're making decisions from a very um, grounded, solid place that isn't from those feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned uh, the boundaries and that's kind of where we're focusing. Mm -hmm. uh, what were the boundaries that your mom set that helped you? And then we'll go into kind of specifically what are some boundaries that parents need? Because I know you said it's unique for each it, person. Yeah. What mm -hmm. are, I'm curious, like, what are yeah. the ones that mom set for you? Uh, and then we'll right. go into what, how you work with that with your clients. So specifically for me, and this is all pattern-based. So it was based out of our patterns that we had developed over, you know, since I was just a young kid. And... She, I would have problems. She would come in and swoop in and try to fix it. Mm. Whether it be my whole life, whether it be my grades. So like I didn't really ever do well in school, mostly because I didn't do my homework. I didn't study. I didn't, you know, I was just kind of lollygagging around and I spent a long time manipulating her 
and lying to her about my grades until, you know, report cards came out and then I couldn't lie anymore. Um, and then she's like, why are we doing so bad? I thought you were doing so good because she told me you were doing so good. And, you know, so that those kinds of patterns, but no matter what, she would always want to come in and swoop in and kind of try to save me. If I was really having a lot of mental health problems, she would always do what she thought was right, which was, you know, let me go send her to the therapist to fix her. Let me go send her to this place to fix her. Let me, you know, it was always about fixing me and thinking that something was wrong with me. Um, you know, of course this is all hindsight being 2020, <laughs> but but that's what it was. And so if I had, um, money problems, she would help me out. Now she would get mad. She said, you can't do this anymore. You're going to have to learn how to budget your money. You're going to have to do this and that. But at the end of the day, she would help me. And that was just a continuing pattern. I'd give her some sob story. She would feel bad for me. She goes, you got to do better. And then she would pay for everything, you know? Um, when that, when she started getting help for herself and some of those patterns started shifting and I was able to start actually learning how to adult and live my life, yeah. um, with the decisions that I was making, then those patterns started breaking and I started getting better because all of a sudden she was like, no, I don't think I'm going to help you with that. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's changing. <laughs> you mean I can't go spend money on going out to eat all the time, you know, instead of like paying my bills? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like I had to just start making more conscious efforts. Um, she, it, 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 it was those kinds of patterns. She started breaking herself free from a lot of her own denial about what was going on. Uh, it took her a really long time to actually see that I really had a drug problem and it wasn't just some phase. Uh, the, one of the biggest things that she, we continue to fall into was when I made a mess of my life, I would just move somewhere and try to start over. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, wherever I go, there I am. And so I just kept falling into all the same patterns, all the same people, all the same people I was dating, whatever it was. And so every town I went into, it was all the same things over and over and over again because I wasn't fixing the problem, which was me. <laughs> and, and that was just the thing where she was, you know, she kept wanting to look at the, all the outside forces yeah. of what were all of my reasons for doing all this and, and making excuses for me. I was making excuses for me. It wasn't just her. I was doing the same thing to me. I just need a fresh place to start. I just need, you know, to go make new friends and do better this time. And um, that, that was an impactful thing when that pattern stopped. And actually, I was the one that broke that pattern, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, in my rehab, my second time, I refused to leave. My mom wanted to move me away again. Oh, in rehab. And she was going to go spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this best rehab because, you know, money fixes everything. And, and that's a joke, by the way, you can't see my face, but that's that, you know, that that's a joke, but you know, that's where money doesn't fix this problem. But she thought if she found me one of the best rehabs in the country, then paid, you know, 30 grand or however much it was, 
that that would finally fix me. And I told her no. And I stayed in my second rehab and I stayed in the town and I faced everything I had to face. And it was hard. And it was the first time that I ever did that where it was like, I am not going to remove myself from all my problems. I need to repair my issues and just face whatever, whoever's angry at me, whatever I did to people, I just need to deal with it. And so that was another broken pattern that, that was very beneficial. And I see that pattern very beneficial for a lot of people where they stay and they face everything. So that that's a, that's a little bit of a sum up. Um, it's kind of hard to really talk about specific boundaries because they are so personal and it is such a, it's really based on the patterns created yeah. by yeah. the families. And so and, that's why you coming in to see that, yes, see what's going on, to hear what's going on and to really support them through it. Cause I can also imagine that one boundary might not be enough and you might need to add another boundary or mm-hmm. the game changes and, and we're on a completely different set of boundaries. And Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's interesting because we talk a lot in this world, in this kind of, you know, society of addiction about enabling. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting the way we talk about it because what people fail to realize or see that I kind of, this is kind of how I come about it where it's like, well, what enabling is for one person may actually be the very thing that saves someone else's life. And so enabling is also very personal. And so we kind of have to like get in there and really understand, is this really being of service to your child, to your, you know, with your family dynamics, is this helpful or harmful? And that's why enabling is so confusing and why there's not really a clear definition of what does enabling look like and why some things work for others and it doesn't work for everyone is because it's what works for some won't work for others and what will save one person's life will actually kill another person. And it's, it's not knowing that and where we're at in the, in, in that context can be dangerous. So it's really important to know what is enabling to you. <laughs> so what I'm imagining is reading a book around helping a loved one who has addiction and seeing all the options of what you could do to set boundaries and then trying one and then not working and trying another one, then being so confused that, mm-hmm wow, like you, you just kind of zero in on this. Yes. We're going to try this. This is your best option first. And then we're going to go to this based on these things. It's just like, you know, when you hire really any expert, they can take you straight to the solution or, or the best option, because obviously there's more than one person in this situation and you can't always control, right? You can't control what the other person does. Um, Mm -hmm. and the other thing I'm really hearing here is you're, you are a success story and, and so people hearing this also can have hope, right? Hope that they see someone who's been through the trenches, who's Mm -hmm. gone through this, who's changed, who their family changed. That's, Mm -hmm. that's just so good. I just, I wanted to acknowledge you for that because thank you we hear so much about 
stories that don't go right. There's a lot of stories that don't go right. And, and unfortunately, you hear a whole lot less of the stories that do go right because there are millions of people out there that are success stories and you wouldn't know it necessarily because they've moved on with their lives and they don't make this addiction and their past define them and they go on to do really amazing things and leaving that behind and they are success stories, but they're not sitting around like necessarily um, talking about it kind of like, you know, how I am. But, but at the same time, it's like, I look at all of the successful people in my life. I have, you know, thousands of people that I know personally, and I know that sounds like a lot and like, oh, you're exaggerating. But let me tell you, when it comes to recovery, you meet a lot of people. <laughs> and, and so I know a lot of people that are success stories. And so I'm constantly looking at, well, what made them successful? And then like, what makes other people not successful, you know, and sometimes families have an impact. And I always say that there's three ways that people stop using drugs. And that's either inspired by the families, in spite of the families, or they die. And, you know, one more time, because I want everybody to hear that. <laughs> one more so, time. Right. I kind of like, you know, breezed over that. But, but there's three ways that people yeah. stop using drugs. And that is they're either inspired by the families, they have to do it in spite of the families, or they die. Those are your three options. And I've seen it all go a lot of different ways. I've seen people have to do it in spite of their families. They come from families that are broken. They come from families that are all still using drugs. And, and I think it's really crazy that people use with their parents. That's not my story, but people use with their parents. And I'm like, I used with a, a son and a mother. And I just thought it was the craziest thing. And, but that happens. And so when they go to get clean, then they have to kind of do a lot of that stuff in spite of their parents. I've also had friends that their parents love them so much that they would just constantly give them money. They would constantly yeah. bail them out of trouble. They would constantly, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. And so even though they were doing it in a very loving and supportive, like no matter what, I'm going to support you and I'm going to love you through this. Unfortunately, like those kids also have to turn, almost turn their back and say, I have to not allow you to do this to me anymore. And that can also be an in spite yeah. of, and that's a hard one because you know, your family loves you and supports you no matter what. And yet you're like, please don't give me any more money. Stop it. <laughs> that can be really challenging. That's hard if you have an addiction. It is so hard because that's, what's going to get you what your body is and mind are gravitating towards. It's easy. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's strange when people can, it's harder for people to get clean when their families are still supporting them financially yeah. than anything else that I've ever seen. Uh, normally that's not how the success stories go. I've met like a handful of people where they're like, yeah, my parents, they'd always just give me money. And they had to say, no, no more. That's very uncommon, very rare. Um, I don't know that I would have been that person. If my mom was still paying and supporting and doing all that stuff, who knows where I'd be today. I probably would not be here. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, are, um, what are some boundaries that... Mm -hmm that you've seen be set just some examples. Cause I know sure. 
said not everyone will yeah. but just what are some boundaries that are set with families it's um i think a very like common one that i think is very impactful for people is i'm gonna stop bailing you out of jail <laughs> yeah. um that's a good solid boundary um I think another one is, okay, so you've tried to let them live with you. You've done everything that you can do. You've set up conditions that says, if you use in my house, then you can't live in my house anymore. And then when that family actually puts good to those boundaries, it can be really, really impactful on someone. Um, I know that we want to try to support them and help them and give them places to stay. And if they don't hold up their end of the bargain, I think it's a, I think it's a really good way of teaching people how to treat you um, by saying, I'm going, if you're not going to hold up your end of the bargain, I am going to hold up my end of the bargain. Um, and this is where the guilt and the shame and some of that fear comes into place is because they're afraid if they do actually kick them out of the house, which, I don't like to say they're kicking them out of the house. I like to say that they are allowing their children, their, their decisions by saying we, we set out these conditions. So you're, you're choosing to leave this house. Um, but I think it can be really beneficial when, when that boundary is set. Uh, and, you know, just basically saying, I'm here to love you. I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to enable poor decisions. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is like, um, I think when people come and set those boundaries from a place of confidence, from a place of love, not necessarily tough love. I always say that tough love is not you having to be tough on them. It's just about making decisions that are tough to do. Yeah. And um, that can be really impactful. So I think when boundaries are being set, coming from a place of having to make tough decisions is a good place to be, but tough, loving decisions. <laughs> yeah. So the, the three steps, and this is the same in, in creating, designing a relationship with anyone, um, or when you need to go that further step and set boundaries is being super clear with yourself about what you need, mm -hmm. then expressing it to the other person and then having them share with you what they're needing or what their expectations are or what their end of the deal is. And then actually following through with whatever yeah. you said it is. So yeah. you can't have two without the third one. <laughs> like that's, no, that's exactly no right. Point. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you, you really can't. And what I see, and, and sometimes it's not that I joke about it cause I don't think it's funny, but I do kind of make comments. It's like, I think people are really, really good at setting boundaries. I'm not entirely sure that everyone is great at defending those boundaries. Yeah. We get set boundaries all day long, but if we're not willing to actually uphold them, and I think that there is a commitment that has to happen and you have to believe in them before you set them. And that's where doing a lot of work around guilt and shame and all those kinds of emotions really do make a huge impact on your ability to defend boundaries is, is, because like you have to really believe in what you're doing. Otherwise you're not going to uphold those boundaries, you know, and that's, that's where the challenge. And it's like, if you're just doing something because someone else tells you you should, and you don't believe it, you're yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna uphold that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm imagining that 
boundaries start off a bit uh, softer, a bit looser. And then over time, as, as the loved one who's suffering from the substance abuse, as they break those, that it gets mm-hmm. firmer and firmer. Um, well, and it does. And, but with, you know, I would advise people is like without really a lot of um, work on this and removing some of your feelings towards your kids, the firmer the boundaries get, usually the more anger and resentment is followed along. If you don't have someone to help you manage your emotions through this experience, because I see a lot of times like, yeah, it is, it does get firmer. It also comes with a lot of anger and resentment that also really poisons um, the parent's soul and causes a lot of mental health issues. So, you know, it can get to the point (laughs) where you and your mom are, where you have a great relationship. You actually, you work together. I work, I worked with her. Yes. Um, I, I did for, for two and a half years, I worked with her until I actually started my own company and in doing this. And so it was a very lovely kind of like way of moving on where she was totally obviously very supportive, but we were able to work together. I actually still work with her in some regards as, as uh, she hires my company to do some work. And so we still, yeah, we still work together and we're able to do that. And we, not to say that we didn't have our challenges because, you know, it's a relationship and it's a mother daughter relationship. So we certainly had our challenges, but it was such a great experience because we were actually able to heal a lot, even from that, um, uh, in, in working together, because we have that kind of relationship where we're able to really communicate with each other because we're not racked with anger and resentment and, you know, all of that stuff that could happen through all of my years of manipulation and lying. Like if she was still holding on to that stuff, we wouldn't be where we're at. <laughs> yeah, and then I I'm imagining that the the change that you both had plus the boundary setting helped you then in creating that kind of business partnership and mm-hmm. as both of your businesses evolve and grow, um you just continued to design how that would be in the business. Absolutely. Absolute, absolutely. So, you know, and all of this was like kind of a little bit intentional but a little bit by accident. And for the design that like I do and I work through um, with my company and stuff is actually a lot more of taking an intentional approach of what works so that people don't have to spend so many hours and so much time researching and developing all this stuff. It's like, dude, do you want to, do you want to spend the next 10, 15 years trying to figure it out on your own, which people totally can and do. Or do you want to spend like a year and just change your life? I mean, it's, it's, it's because we don't have time to waste. And that's what I remind people. We don't have years for you trying to figure this stuff out on your own. (laughs) So, So, yeah, well, let's, let's, you know, let's not talk about specifics or anything, but I'm sure there's a lot of sad endings that happen even in you there know, are. the great work that you do, because you can, you and the family can only do so much. It, it ends up Correct. The, the choice of, of the person, the, the loved one. Um, how do you deal with that question when families say, could we have done something differently? This past 
week, I'll be honest, I've been dealing with that question. I had um, someone come to me and ask me, it was, it was for a friend, a very dear family friend. And this was on a Tuesday and she goes, I think there's something going on. And is there anything that we can do? And I said, no, because this person is not even willing to admit that there is something going on and I can tell you what's happening and this is very progressive and yes, it's very, you know, dangerous, but until they really want to come out and, and talk about it and really ask for help, there really isn't anything that you can do. And that was a Tuesday and Friday I got a call that he had passed. Oh man. And of course I think all of our immediate reactions is, is like, Oh my God, what can we have done? And that was a, that was a really emotional, I'm going to get emotional even now, but it like, it's those kinds of stories where it's like, I, I wish there was something that I can do. But one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is, is how do you manage yourself when those situations happen so that you can really grieve that person yeah. and give yourself that chance to really dive into that without having to take responsibility and that taking responsibility can be very unhealthy for a person and so I think it's good to remember to to have support and help and not doing that to yourself because it's the grief is hard enough taking responsibility is a whole lot harder and it's it it will ultimately lead a person more into insecurity, self-doubt, and just a very unhealthy way of being in this world in general. So if you hold on to that for years of taking that responsibility, it can do a lot of damage to a person. So I think it's really important to remember to always grieve, but not take responsibility. And that's something that we have to work through. That's and a huge reminder not even a reminder. I, I would have never thought of, of that. Like that statement's powerful is what I'm saying. Yeah. Powerful statement. Don't take responsibility for it. And yeah. I, I'm guessing that you would need the kind of conventional grief recovery methods here with a counselor and that to go through it. But then you also need an additional layer of support and if I was to lose a loved one and you were to say that to me, that would be like, okay, I, I can't <laughs> believe that. Like, yeah. I, that gives me permission to move on. Yes. And wow. we, we work through a lot of that before it happens because is, this is very important to be proactive in these situations. So no matter what it is, prepare yourself. Like I tell people like, it's good to be proactive in your healing just in case that happens so that you're already ready. You already have the tools and resources that you need in order to support yourself to not take responsibility if that is the end result. Because, you know, we can do only so much on our end, but we can do a lot, but it can only be so much. And, you know, even in the terms of I see people waiting until their kid is ready for help before they start looking for a rehab, before they've done any sort of research yeah. in that because they're, you know, waiting around to see if that's what they want. And I tell people, I was like, let's go figure it all out now. You need to have a phone number. You need to know that if you call them, you have, you have 24 hours to get someone in a place 
when they say that they need help and they're willing to go, you have 24 hours. So if you don't have something ready to go and you don't have knowing where your beds are open and all that stuff, you're going to lose your window of opportunity to get them in when their willingness matters the most, which is about 24 hours. So you have to be proactive in this stuff. You want to set up a relationship with people before and sometimes people are sitting around waiting going, oh, I hope this problem just magically fixes itself, that they're not really this person. But I'll tell you what, there's not a whole lot of people I know that are doing meth or shooting heroin or doing cocaine all the time that aren't addicts. <laughs> it's not just a problem that's going to solve itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there will be times in our lives that we come across someone in our lives who's dealing with their loved one uh in a mm -hmm. moment i'm going to ask you what we do in those situations to support that friend of ours or that family member so they can support that friend um but first of all just how do people get a hold of you because obviously going to a trained professional who has expertise in this is the best mm -hmm. place to go um how do how do people get in touch with you the best way for people and the easiest way just to say it is to go to my website. You can go to, uh, it's ManeeliConsulting.com. Manili is spelled M-A-N-E-E-L-Y Consulting.com. Uh, you can get in touch with me there. There's a place for you to schedule a call with me. Uh, there's a place you can look over, you know, I have a program out there that's called the Unbreakable Boundaries Program. You can look over that, <laughs> you know, like it has a lot of good resources and stuff. So I would just recommend that's the easiest way for people to get in touch. And I wouldn't hesitate on the phone call. The phone call is free. And so like, if you've even questioning anything, it's like, I just want to make it so that people have somewhere to land, to talk to someone about what's going on, because there's a lot of red flags that are happening that you don't know how to interpret if you don't know this world. And it's good to have someone say, this is what this red flag means. <laughs> so yeah. that's the best way. As a, as a, as someone who's dealing with this, um, you don't know the games, the, the things that go on in the mind of the person. And I only say games because I see the games my kids play when they want, mm -hmm. when they sneak candy, right? Or when they, when they want oh, yeah. something, I see what they do and I see the lies and, and, I'm, and I'm not minimizing this at all, but I see on that small level how it is. And this is a, a, a bigger level. Um, and and so I also want to make sure everyone knows, because not everyone always checks the, the show notes fully, but there is a giveaway that you have, a free giveaway, yes. um, mm -hmm. some really great resources. Um, so it's called Dear Parents, Strategies to Help Your Loved One Through Addiction. So make sure you go through to Jennifer's website, pick that up. We'll have the link in the show notes so that you can grab that. Um, and so kind of last thing here, how do we support someone else who's dealing with this? What, what can we do? A lot of times, like one of the things that people have a tendency to want to do is say all the magical right things to someone to make them feel better in that moment. And that is totally good. And to support them and give them advice and give them all of these things that they should be doing. Oh, well, you should just tell them to do this and you should just tell them to do that. If someone is really going through this and it's really substance abuse, that's probably one of the worst things 
<laughs> that you can do. I think the best thing that you can do is be very loving and supportive and be willing to really listen without giving a lot of advice or feedback because you have no idea what this person is really going through and to support them and saying it is okay to ask for help and to go find help. They need it and they need to have a, a supportive network that will help them get through those emotions. But to give advice and opinions and stuff is it will shut them down. <laughs> and so the best thing people can do is, is really go send, like support them in finding help. Suggest that they, you know, do that and, and just be very loving and caring the entire time and just be there to listen. Yeah. And I think that advice is so great and really goes for anything. If you have a friend whose family member is dealing with a terminal illness, if you have a family member who's dealing with a family member who's had, you know, a job loss with, with anything, don't give advice, just yeah. support, just support. And like you said, give them permission to get the help that they need. Let's take all mm -hmm. the shame out of it. Yes. Let's uh, support them to be proactive. And even things like if they have other younger kids, can I take your kids to the park one day so you can have some time alone? Can I bring you a meal? Like lo just love on them. Yes. Just so, love on them. <laughs> and, and, and then help them to uh, connect with people like you, Jennifer, so that they can have mm. the true support. My gosh, like you, I can just see how you go through the weeds and, and help them to get Absolutely. Exactly what they need. And when you were talking about the, you know, setting boundaries, I'm, I'm imagining someone being like, Jennifer, I had to kick them out of the house. <laughs> like, I, I want to let them in. They're at the door and they want to come in. What do I do? And I can just imagine you being there to be like, you're good. You've done you're good. what you're supposed to do. And support uh, them through that and let them know that they're doing hard. the right thing. It's so hard. They need that. They need to have a sounding board. So, yeah. Well, thank you for being the sounding board for that. <laughs> thank you for being here today. For oh, sharing, thank you. Sharing your story. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I could, I could keep kind of delving <laughs> into this. Um, but the key thing here is kind of key takeaway for everyone is, you know, get the support you need and create and defend your boundaries yes. defend your boundaries so thank you so much jennifer uh please thank everyone you. uh i'm sure you're gonna have someone in your life who could use these resources connect them with jennifer grab the free um free book that she has there the free resources uh and if you love this episode please subscribe so that you can hear more amazing experts like jennifer today and write us a review. Why not, right? Why not talk about how amazing um, people like Jennifer are on here? And uh, if you haven't yet and you're a lady, join our Dynamic Women Facebook community. The link will also be in the show notes. So thank you again for joining us here, Jennifer. And until next time, everyone, stay dynamic. Thank you, Dynamic Women, for joining us today. Please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Who do you know who needs to hear our message? We'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family. If you're ready to be more dynamic, have more balance and more success, head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.